0: So welcome everybody. Welcome to the podcast Unpacking Organizations where Rupert and I talk about our passion topics and help you unpack some of the topics that we deal with on our day-to-day.
1: Unpacking Organizations, the Practitioner's Podcast. Sponsored by Orgview. See tomorrow's business today.
0: So Rupert, we recently uh, talked about always on transformation. And that got me thinking that many a times the transformation is done for cost cutting. People say that, you know, we are very heavy and we need to be in a more lean model structure. Uh, We are very expensive or we are fat in the middle. We should be pyramid, but we are actually a fat diamond. And um, often in order to get there, spans and layers is considered the criteria. Like that is the biggest uh, tool that is applied that you increase the spans, reduce the layers, slash the managers, um, and you will get to the right size. But I feel there is more around it because there is, jo- when we do spans and layers, it's applicable for, say, um, operations or places where there is a scale of economy, but it isn't that much of, or sorry, I would say that it is more applicable into the corporate functions where we are actually having the managerial layer and so on. But when there is a scale of economy and, you know, operations, that does not work because there are many other criteria that actually work uh, in order to think about right-sizing. And, I, I know that in your book, you have a full chapter dedicated on um, right sizing. So I thought it, was, it would be really helpful for our listeners to go through that. So there's an acronym that you have created. So mm. tell us more about that and let's unpack that today.
1: Great, no, th- thank you. I mean, where this started for me, um, probably about 20 years ago, close to 20 years ago, I was with a client and we were doing all the design, and we had done all the activities and the process maps and the accountability maps, and we had the broad structure. And then we said, "Well, how many of each role do we need? And how do we get to the answer?" And, and this was in the context of quite a mathematically literate client, and they were, it was in the supply chain of a consumer goods company. And you know, we 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 we, we wanted to do it correctly. And they and say, so how do you do this? And being mathematically minded myself and an economist, I'm like, well, I, I, I want to have a method for actually coming to an answer and then judging that and, and not just falling to the simplicity of taking the as is and changing it because we, we radically change the organization. So we, from first principles, what do we need? And, and and often you know people talk talk, talk about zero based budgeting as an example, right? Let's throw out what where we are right now because we're changing so much from first principles. How how do we get to this number, um, which is really healthy? Because because just slashing and cutting and saying oh, I I need to just take twenty percent out, and that's the answer, and doing it through negotiation and pressuring and bullying and saying well you've got to take go deeper it's not good enough with no basis it, you know just really feels poor and and also what you raise in terms of the spans and layers you know so, "Oh, we need eight spans and and so as if eight spans is a magic number and if you don't have eight spans that's a problem and i even know clients who've got an official and an unofficial organization the official everyone has spans of eight but the unofficial, the way it really works is they don't. They're just doing it to protect their jobs because they're like, if I don't have a span of eight, I'm going to be a target. So it was really silly because sometimes the span of control of one makes total sense, you know, because you're more of a player coach and you're doing a lot of work yourself. So it's very dangerous, I think, to look at just oversimplicity, which is just our spans. And and, and the reason it's so prevalent is because it's so easy. People just, ah, oh, it's... I know if we re- reduce the spans, on average, we're at five and we make it eight. Here is the saving. We can get rid of 200 managers. The average salary seller, seller manager is X. Boom, look at the big prize. Um, and so what? mathematical,
0: so convincing that, so yes, convincing. this many million yeah. dollars is out of the gate.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, So for me, and as you said, there isn't just one way of doing it because different roles require a different approach. So the acronym, um, and you know I love to invent acronyms, uh, is FID RAM. Doesn't exactly fall off the tongue. It's not a TLA, it's not three letter. It's, I'm, I'm pushing it, I'm going for six. There are six letters. Um, so the, the F is fixed. There are some roles that are fixed. You only need one of them or a number. So I only need one CEO, one CFO, et cetera. It's a, it's a fixed number, and I can't change it. The I is incremental. So what that is, let's say I've got my R&D function. I, I can't do mass. I can't say, well, based on the drivers, I, I just have to work out how much am I prepared to invest in this group of activities. And so that's incremental. I might say I need to incrementally increase by 20% or reduce by 20% because I don't have a driver to get to the answer, and that's the third acronym, which is D for driver. F I D, fixed incremental D for driver. So a driver could be sales, and the number of sales reps. And I look at the productivity. How much should each sales rep uh, attain? Multiply by the sales target. Um, adjust for learning curve, and I have my driver. Then. A driver
0: is also very linear in that sense.
1: It's totally linear. A driver is right. linear. Yeah, it's, it's, right. it's a linear driver. Um, so, you know, and you might assume with time some enhancements in productivity. So yeah. you might change that the sales number changes and the productivity m- number might change. So that number can change over time. So I, I'm, what I'm actually doing without even realizing is I'm moving into workforce planning. But from an org design perspective, you have your assumptions for that point in time because you're doing it for the 2B, right? Then the, the R is ratio. So ratio is like a special type of driver. So an example, I've got my software developers, the engineers, and for every one of those, I need, one, for every four engineers, I need one QA person. And then I have, I I, I then have a, half a UX person
0: do testers.
1: Um, that's right. So that those are ratios right. and another ratio. I mean, a span of control is a ratio. So you can have a span break. So I need team leaders. They can manage this number. So the right. span of control is, is a ratio. Uh, so there, you, you know, you, you start, you work out the drivers first and then some of ratios, you work that up. The next and the one, ratio, it,
0: um, sorry, I just want to highlight that the ratios are also a good thing to do about enabling functions, right? Like if you have X number of people, how many HR people would you need as a HR business partners or things like that? Is that right to say?
1: It it could be. I mean, I I think it's slightly dangerous with that example because people then look for benchmarks Mm. and and then they say, well, the ratio is one to a hundred. Uh, and and the the implicit assumption is, if you if you had the ratio of one fifty, you're more effective. And that's, that's a fantastic point, right? Right. Because right. I, if I say people are at the heart of our strategy, and I have to look at the and this is the next one is the activity. Um, mm. So FED RAM. So we got ratio and then activity, and what is the work that's needed? And it might be, for instance, if we take your HR example, I I want to do more L and D. I, I want to do more OPA. I want to do um, thinking about more, more talent uh, management, talent acquisition and, right. and so I might want to invest a lot more to improve the uh, the life cycle for all employees. And and that is an investment. And so therefore I I might my, my I might, I might need for every eighty people one person. And actually, as I get bigger, I can get more economies of scale. So because I put systems in place, so it changes. So I think looking at the work, a great and what example, work you need Rupert, to do, um, right? Which is the danger of benchmarking. So the, the big mm-hmm. danger in right sizing is everyone looks at benchmarks. <laughs> and if you copy, it's like, do you want to be someone else or do you want to be yourself? And if you copy someone else you're going to get doesn't mean that that who's, who's to judge what's what's best practice anyway for you and your industry given what you're trying to deal with um the the last acronym the last letter in the acronym is m and this is mathematical modeling and i've done this as well i i, I did it actually in the context of uh, healthcare and chemotherapy and radiotherapy so you when you have dynamics, when you have patients flowing in, um, quite complex process flows, you have different um, technologies, uh, then you you have, if if too many patients arrive at the same time in the morning, there's a a queuing effect and there's a buildup um, and bottlenecks through the system. So if you try and model certain environments with a linear deterministic approach, uh, you will end up making flawed assumptions. And so mathematical modeling, we look at variation as well. So if you're thinking about a call center, what is the volume of calls that come in? What kind of service levels do you want to achieve? Given the fluctuation, you start to model that so you can hit things like, I want to, you know, resolution in four minutes at 98% of the time. These kind of SLAs that you put in place and the demand is fluctuating and there's queuing effects and it's, you can't model it as a deterministic system, then you move to mathematical modeling. Now the, the thing is that you, the, as you go through the, liter, the, the acronyms, it becomes more complex um, and therefore less frequent. So mathematical modeling is a technique that you only have to apply in rare exceptions. Right, Right, by, and if you apply exceptions. it
0: once, you can use it several times because if Co- you correct. tweak a little bit of uh, the, f- not the formulas, but the the constructs or the parameters of those formulas, then you will be able to evolve that f- for the future. You don't have yeah. to build it from the scratch every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. whereas if, if imagine if you're starting a business like a startup, which I've done now a few times, you start, everything is fixed. There is no drivers, there's no ratio. You have one of everything. There aren't many, and you're multi-hatting. So you, so you always have, fixed is always part of the the playbook. Um, as you start scaling and growing, then you start thinking, oh, we can make these incremental investments. Let's use the drivers. And now we're moving to maturity. We've got to think about ratios. I'm becoming more sophisticated. Actually, I'm becoming even more sophisticated. I really need to understand the work and then the workforce. If you reference our previous podcast on the activity system. So so that's another way of looking at it. So although there are six different techniques, you're not applying all six in the same number of times all the time.
0: I really like that spread, Rupert, because then it also tells us the maturity of the organization. That is a consideration or a parameter that we need to think about. It also talks about that as you start to get into activity and the modeling, the workforce planning starts to come into play, right? That That is where it starts to start. So there's an overlap about different systems as well that you are um, right-sizing, but then you're also building that capability as you grow um, on how to think about the size of the organization based on the maturity and the complexity of the organization. So I love the spread. FedRAM, fixed, incremental, driver, ratio, activity and modeling. Great. <laughs> so what is one takeaway that you have for our listeners?
1: Don't go and apply spans as your method for right sizing, don't go and take some set of benchmarks. Doesn't matter how well intended and use that as the as the way of calculating how many positions you need uh, for your organization so you can execute your strategy. And and, and what's your strategy?
0: I think it's important to see different parts of the organizations need different uh, methodology. So I'm taking the leaf from your takeaway that don't go by one, but understand what needs what. Like what part of the organization need what kind of uh, the method and go with that. Like do not just, even if you have, you don't go for spans and layers, you still need to maybe have a couple of methods that you need to think about. It will still not be one.
1: So think, think about exactly, that as well. It's a great point, and th- there's a there's a word you know that I that I love, triangulation. Like one, you don't have to use one method either. By the way, you can use two or three different lenses, different ways, as a way of saying, does this make sense? Because at the end of the day, you, you have a top down budget of what you can afford. You have um, design. Principles like how many layers can we have, and given what you do, so you're constantly uh, you're triangulating, and then you you sit back and you have to use human judgment to say, does this make sense, right? On on the whole range, is this going to help us execute? Is this affordable? Is this um, does it feel right? So as as much as I love all the maths and and the calculations, it's a tool to help get to an answer. Um, and never is one method alone going to for anything going to be right right and that's the challenge and the questioning and it's really that that thought process and the thinking makes you more robust which means let's say you do have in certain areas the need for downsizing and certain people are put at risk then you can explain this is what we went through. This is how we did it. This is how we got to the answer. It's a lot more palatable for people to then be like, you know what, this affects me negatively, but at least I know they've worked through it and they haven't been dogmatic and it's there's logic and and you're a lot more likely to accept that um, than than if it's just you know top down we need to cut twenty percent and the kind of politics and the bullying that 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 implies
0: so true absolutely so thank you so much Rupert this was very very insightful um thank you so until thank you, next, next time on to the next take, take care.
1: care bye